Hello, this is Alex Burkett, and you're listening to the Long Game Podcast. What follows is a conversation with Tim Solo. Tim is the CMO at Ahrefs. And actually, I'm just going to do a really short introduction here because I do a full introduction in the chat with him that follows. The conversation that we had was unique in that it was recorded as part of our Omniscient Office Hours series. So this is a monthly event that we're throwing now where we invite the best experts and practitioners that we know in the SEO and content marketing world, like Tim, and we let them show you and teach you all about various aspects of content marketing. So if you want to attend the series, we're doing these once a month now. You can just search in Google Omniscient Office Hours and it should come up. This discussion here ranges from how Tim structures his marketing team in Ahrefs, how he hires new talent, to tips for content creators starting out fresh. Stuff like, what would Tim do if he were starting a website out today? That's the kind of question that we cover here. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Tim Solo. Tim Solo is the Chief Marketing Officer and Product Advisor at Ahrefs, an industry-leading SEO tool powered by big data. With almost 10 years of practical experience in SEO and digital marketing, Tim eagerly shares his knowledge by giving live talks at various digital marketing conferences around the world and publishing blog articles at Ahrefs' blog. That's what his website says, anyway. I know Tim because I'm a huge, huge fanboy of everything Ahrefs. Of course, the tool itself, which I've used at all of my companies at CXL, at HubSpot, now at Omniscient. It's a rich feature set, but also the fact that I feel like Ahrefs has been one of the true and honest product-led growth companies and has done product-led content in a way that I've not seen almost any other company do, at least at that level. Um, so for Ahrefs, it's, it's not just a buzzword, and I've learned a ton from that approach. Um, I also think that Tim has been an unequivocally good voice in the SEO industry, speaking honestly uh, throughout his blog posts, tweets, talks, etc. Uh, so he's clearly been a leading educator in the market and has influenced and taught uh, tons of us about SEO, yours truly included. So let's chat. Uh, Tim, what's an average day uh, at Ahrefs look like for you? What do you do? Uh, hey, Alex. Uh, thanks a lot for inviting, first of all, and thanks a lot for a great intro. You've made my day and probably even made my week uh, <laughs> with so many kind words about me. So uh, what's the day like? Uh, currently, uh, we're in the process of hiring. We need to expand our marketing team. So uh, I prefer to take care of that myself because I want to make sure that the level of uh, marketing people that we have in our company is super high because Ahrefs is in the business of teaching marketing to marketers. This means that being a marketer at Ahrefs, you have to be one step ahead of everyone else so that other marketers would listen to you. So yeah, right now uh, I'm in the process of hiring, but uh, when I'm not, and this is like the most of uh, my time because our team is quite small and we don't have to hire people uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I actually like creating content myself. Uh, this is something you talked about in the intro about me. I am a huge fan of uh, sharing my ideas about marketing and sharing things that we learn uh, while doing marketing at HRS with other people and often challenging the status quo. We, we don't necessarily believe uh, the stuff that uh, other marketers say uh, or other thought leaders in the space say. So we like to challenge it, we like to test it, and we like to share our own experience with people so that they would get uh, a different view uh, at some of the conventional marketing wisdom. 
Cool. How big is the Ahrefs team now? Or the marketing team, uh, I mean? The marketing team in terms of people who actually uh, do marketing, which means create content, run some kind of campaigns, is just five people right now. Plus, we have five more people who are helping to to make that content, actually. So, like, design stuff, animate our videos, uh, and stuff like this. That's awesome. I've always thought, and I, I actually never knew how big the team was, but I always thought that Ahrefs had a very efficient style of marketing. Like, I feel like from every blog post you write is going to be epic. It's usually a long form. It's it's sprinkled with product references, and I feel like every piece stands on its own. So there's not a lot of wasted effort. Is that something you've deliberately done through building the team and building the marketing culture there, or how did that come about? So so that that came about pretty randomly. So uh, I was into blogging for quite a while. I had my personal blog uh, when I was creating articles and trying to get attention of other people. And then I, I uh, launched some of my own products. Those were uh, WordPress plugins. So I started selling those WordPress plugins. And the, what I understood back then is then when you write about things that are relevant to what your product does and you plug the mention of your product and you showcase how you use the product yourself and what kind of uh, what kind of results you get with that product, people are buying it. So then when I joined Ahrefs, we kind of started testing similar approach to content marketing, started talking on our blog about the topics where our tool, our product is helpful and started showcasing the tool. I, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure what I've heard this quote first, but it was something something along the lines of, the first time people use your product is in their heads. Mm. So what we're, we were trying to do with our content marketing is we were trying to create content that would incentivize people to imagine themselves using Ahrefs for solving the problem that they had uh, when they opened an article uh, on a certain topic. And this is why, like uh, as you mentioned, we have lots of screenshots of our interface and lots of step-by-step instructions of how to do something specific in Ahrefs because we want people to start using our product in their heads so that then they would, when they would make a decision to sign up, they would know what to do inside and we won't have to do any of the so-called onboarding because we did lots of pre-boarding. We educated people on how to use our software even before they became our customers. It's funny because it seems like in the marketing space, I, I don't know if this is changing and maybe you could tell me this, but it seems like in the past, there was this view that like, if you mention your product in the content, that's being like salesy or pushy or something, but it's like, no, you're educating people. One, you're doing it for a business function. You want it to like have ROI, but you're educating people on the product and in the kind of like niche that you're talking about anyway. So it's like, if you're an email marketing software writing about, uh, you know, how to create newsletters or something. Why not use your tool? So it's, it's kind of like, it made so much sense to me, but it's like you guys combine uh, customer-facing content with, with prospect content. So do you, have, do you have a mix of like, you know, current customers reading? Like what's the split in terms of like how many new users you're bringing in through that content versus like how many people are like me who are actually just educating themselves on the product itself after being a customer? So first of all, this is a very uh, fair concern about coming out salesy. Like, are you trying to educate me or are you trying to shove your product down my throat? And uh, I had this problem too uh, in my early days. And I have to credit uh, Derek Halpern. I'm not sure if you've heard the name. Uh, This is the guy who was quite 
famous in the digital marketing industry some 10 years ago. He was running a blog named Social Triggers, if I remember it correctly. And again, there was a quote he said in some, in some training course or in, in one of his videos that resonated with me a lot and that cured my uh, insecurity about uh, like showcasing the product and trying to sell it, with, sell it within content. So what he said is, if your product genuinely helps people with their problems, help them achieve their, their goals, you're doing them a disservice by not trying to sell this product to them. So it's all about integrity. It's all about knowing that your product is actually helpful. Of course, like if you're if you're selling something that people don't need, you should feel bad about it because you shouldn't like make people spend money on the things they don't need. But our product is inherently useful. We have a marketing tool. We have an SEO tool that helps people uh, bring more traffic to their websites, get more customers, etc., etc., etc. So I don't feel bad about selling our product to people. I actually feel good when when I sell it to them and they later come and tell me that because of your content, I was able to grow my website. I was able to get more customers and your tool is fantastic. It totally turned my business around and such. In terms of how we approach people who are not our customers yet versus the people who are already using our tool, how do we differentiate between those two groups in our content? We don't. I don't see why we should actually, because those two groups of people, they might have like, there's a variety of problems uh, that our software helps solve. Like we, we are a software for SEO and the SEO has lots of little bits to it. It's like about creating content, optimizing your pages, fixing technical issues on your website, spying on your competitors, blah, blah, blah. There are tons of little things that, that you need to understand how to do in order to succeed. And we help with a lot of those things. And the, the case is, is that our existing customers, they are not necessarily aware of all 100% of the problems that we can help them solve. Same with people who are prospective customers. So it doesn't matter if you're already using Ahrefs or if you're thinking to use it or if you're looking for some SEO tool to, to help you with the website. Our strategy is to be discoverable. So whether you are our customer or you aren't our customer, if you search in Google or YouTube for something like how do I do link building, how to do SEO audit, uh, how to do proper email outreach, blah, 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 we want to be there for you. We want to be ranking at the top. So you would be able to find us. And we also want to build a brand and credibility where people wouldn't even go to YouTube to search for those things, but they would actually search on our YouTube channel or on our blog uh, for those things. And we have like uh, lots of educational materials. We have some courses. So we, we try to do both things. We try to be discoverable when people need us. And we try to build a brand where people would go to us in the first place and search if we have an article about this already. So I do that with your blog. And I think that's an admirable, admirable goal because we used to aim for that at CXL as well. The big goal was basically direct traffic, somebody coming in and searching like CXL.com and then searching on the blog search for the specific topic because they inherently know that if we wrote about it, it's going to be a good piece. So it sounds like you yeah. guys took that same frame. Yeah. Um, so when you're ideating topics, does that come from a keyword or does that come from a customer pain point? How does a blog post get created in that kind of framework? Uh, so 90% of our content strategy is based on keywords. So we do keyword research. We look at what kinds of things people are searching for in Google. 
what is the popularity of those things? Like what is the potential search traffic that we would be able to get uh, if we would create content for it and rank at the top? And what is the potential to showcase our product while addressing the issue, while talking about the topic? And based basically on those three things, like what's the popularity of the search query? What's the uh, difficulty of ranking? Like who are the competitors? Would it be easy or hard to rank there? And what is the business potential for us to showcase how awesome our product is and how easily it helps you solve the problem? This is how we prioritize the, the content, the stuff that we write about uh, on our blog. And the remaining 10%, so this is 90% of our content strategy. We want to be discoverable. And whenever people search for relevant things to what our software does, we want to be ranking at the top. We want to get that free search traffic to ourselves. ourselves. And then 10% is we're trying to build uh, our authority and credibility as thought leaders in the space, which means that we want to talk about topics that no one is necessarily searching for, but should we write about them and should we give people some unique perspective, unique insights? And usually those are data studies. So we would crunch the data that we have at HFs and we would show our insights to people. So this is not something people would search for, but when they see it on social media, uh, it just blows up via word of mouth. People start talking about uh, our research studies in different Slack groups and Facebook groups. They discuss them on Reddit, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, most of the time we try to address search queries, but sometimes if we have unique ideas of our own that we think that community, our community or our market would appreciate and help us position ourselves as thought leaders in the space, we would also pursue those ideas. So that's awesome because we have a framework at Omniscient we call the barbell strategy from Nassim Taleb. So it's basically you put most of your portfolio allocation like stable, predictable assets. So that's what I consider, you know, keyword driven content, you know, with a certain degree of accuracy, how much traffic you're going to get for, uh, for it if you rank for it. But then like that doesn't leave serendipity. That doesn't leave the unknown, the upside from potentially topics that could go viral or could get a bunch of backlinks. So we always say, yeah, about an 80-20, depending on the size of the client. Obviously, if it's a smaller company, maybe we need more of the viral link bait kind of stuff. And if it's a bigger company like HubSpot... You just rank for whatever they want. So let's publish a bunch of keyword driven <laughs> stuff. So yeah, it depends. But I love that portfolio allocation model. On the uh, SEO driven side, do you actually map out the specific features of your product that you want to outline in those posts? Like, I don't know if you use content briefs or a roadmap or anything like that. Do you have like a column where you're like, all right, top pages or, you know, organic keywords or like, do you specifically outline that stuff? Or is the marketer, is it their job to sort of know that and take it on their own? Yeah. It, it happens naturally. So this is this is why at the beginning of uh, our conversation, I said that uh, we're in the process of hiring marketers and this is a very hard thing for me to do because uh, our the people who create content at HREFs are extremely knowledgeable uh, and extremely experienced. And they should know our platform in and out and they should be able to themselves come up with unique ideas of how to use our software for solving some problems. So whenever, whenever I read some of the content that uh, uh, my fellow colleagues publish on, on our blog, sometimes they come up with tactics and strategies that I wouldn't think of. So it's not that we have like a group of people who is responsible for coming up with use cases. And then we have a group of people who is responsible for writing articles and shoehorning those use cases into those articles. No, it happens quite naturally. So the, the person, uh, our, our team members, they pick their own topics. So again, it, it's not that we have like 
a senior, I don't know, strategist or blah, 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 who picks topics for uh, so-called writers and they have to write some article on the topic. No, people, uh, the members of our marketing department, they pick topics for themselves based on what they feel confident talking about. So if they have a lot of experience, if they have unique perspective, or if this is the topic they want to research, talk to other people and do some experiments, they would pick this topic and uh, our head of content, Josh, would approve it and help them like make the most of it. And then it is up to them to come up with examples of how to use Ahrefs, how to use our product for solving the problems that are that they talk about in the article. And of course, because we have uh, a few circles of uh, peer feedback. So we show our content to each other. Whenever I'm writing articles, I show them to some of the people in our marketing department and we get each other feedback. And like, as they say, two heads is always better than one. So when you when you ask other people for feedback, they might also help you to come up with uh, unique perspectives of how uh, our tool can be better showcased within content. I love that. It's that, that seems like a real secret to me, to the Ahrefs uh, marketing machine, is that everybody's a marketer and can write well, but they're also a product expert. That's something that I yeah. aspired to at CXL when I was writing articles on A-B testing or data. Like, I should probably be able to use Google Analytics if I'm writing about it. Or I should probably have run an A-B test if I'm going to write an article on how to run an A-B test. And it seems like yeah. you guys bake that into the hiring process, probably the training process, and into the high expectations that you have for the work product once somebody's hired. Yeah, uh, as I like to say, in our in our marketing department, content is the first class citizen. So I am uh, chief marketing officer of Ahrefs. I'm the person responsible, like, for running our entire marketing. But I myself, whenever I get a chance, I go and create content. I, I write articles, I create videos, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because I firmly believe that content should be created by uh, the most knowledgeable person. So I know that I have loads of, loads of experience uh, in digital marketing. I know I have lots of unique perspectives to share. So why would I try to outsource this to some, I don't know, Fiverr writer who would like write uh, 100 words for like $10 or something? Why would I do this? If, if I can create content much better than this quote unquote writer because I have actual ideas. So it's not, it's not the words that you put on the page. It's the actual ideas. So in our marketing department, you first have, have to be experienced marketer and then a writer. I love that. Um, it sounds like you have a, I don't want to say contrarian lens in how you view things, but you, you tend to think it seems like from first principles, do you think that is your superpower that you bring to Ahrefs or like, what would you ascribe your biggest value add to the company in terms of like how you run marketing? It could be a personality trait. It could be a technical skill. You know, what's, what's your thing that you bring uh, that's like unique? Uh, it's hard for me to, to tell uh, because a lot, of the thing, a lot of the things we do are actually a team effort. So a lot of my marketing ideology is not 100% mine because I work under our CEO and founder, Dmitry, and lots of stuff that I preach today is the stuff that he kind of uh, showed me or like some of the stuff that I am not doing today is uh, the stuff that he restricted me from doing. Uh, and then again, we have uh, my colleagues who also excel at what they do. For example, we have Sam, who is uh, extremely uh, successful at running our uh, YouTube channel, and I'm not really aware of many of the things that he's doing with our YouTube channel because he's 
much more experienced than I am in terms of like this specific channel. So it's not that he would listen to my advice or anything. Of course, like we would communicate and like bounce ideas from time to time. But for the most part, he knows how to run this channel much better than me. So what do I bring to, to the company? What kind of unique stuff? Um, I think it's hard to pinpoint. Uh, the way I see it is probably uh, like a constant stream of interesting ideas that that we can work on. Uh, that's probably it. So I think that that in my time running my own business and having my own blog and selling my own WordPress plugins, I had this shift in my mindset where I was no longer an employee, but I was an entrepreneur. And I understood that if you want to be successful with uh, selling your products and growing your business, you shouldn't only, I don't know, write content or run ads or any of those things. You should actually look into the product. You should actually talk to people. You should understand the market, etc. And when I joined HREFs, I was uh, employee number 16. So when I joined the company, there were only 16 people. Uh, right now, there's about 70. That's 70. Uh, so I, I just transitioned that uh, entrepreneurial mindset to HREFs. And they, uh, instead of just doing marketing, I was trying to do anything that I thought would improve the business. And they tried to, uh, to put some of my efforts and ideas into every area. So I think this is like the, the way I care about every aspect of the company and look for ways to improve every aspect uh, of our company is is probably uh, the 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 leverage I have. Yeah, so that's an awesome answer. It sounds like you've definitely taken the entrepreneurial spirit and kind of imbued that into the the teammates that you hire and the teammates that uh, you work with. Sounds like there's just a lot of ownership and trust, which is awesome. Yeah, and people really give a shit about what they're working on and put their own creative spin on it. So I, exactly. we, we just have such a short time. I want to really, you know, run down the whole, like, where do you get ideas, all that stuff. But I have some questions uh, that I wrote down from our audience. And then uh, my co-founders have some questions too. So uh, first, if every company has access to tools like Ahrefs, ClearScope, Phrase, et cetera, and these not formulaically give you sort of the answers, you know, maybe more so with ClearScope, but they give you a lot of data to work with. What do you think the differentiating factors are that content creators should seek to go, you know, beyond just what these tools give you in terms of insights to stand out? Uh, yeah, so so there are two things. Like anyone can log into Ahrefs uh, and uh, get some data out of it. But like two things. First of all, first of all, is how you understand this data, because lots of people misinterpret the data that they see, or they don't even know where to look. So it is very important to actually study the software you're using well and understand what you're seeing, understand where the exact number, for example, we have a number for keyword difficulty, which kind of tells you how difficult it would be to rank for a certain keyword. And we have written it in plain, we have it uh, written in plain, plain English that this number identifies on average how many, uh, how many websites should be linking to your page to rank in top 10. So if you rank number nine at the bottom of the page, you qualify. But people don't even look at the text that is written right below the keyword difficulty number. And they think that our keyword difficulty tells them how easy it would be to rank number one, which is not true. So uh, this is just like a very local example of how you can misinterpret data and why you need to have a deep understanding of the tool that you're using. So this is the first thing. 
And the second thing, even if you understand the data well, even if you can uh, can find proper topics that you want to target on your website, if you understand what is the competition and how to outrank them and get to the number one position, still you have to create content. And like we just discussed, someone who has more credibility, more unique ideas will outperform you because, because of the credibility. So uh, to rank well, uh, every SEO knows that to rank well in Google, you have to get links. And for example, if we're talking about SEO, who would get more links? Me writing an article about an SEO with my, I don't know, over 10 years experience in the industry and credibility and all the following that I have, or some newbie SEO who just started their website. There is no chance for them to outrank me because of all the body of work that I did, uh, that, I, that I have created till this date to get to where I am. So uh, ranking in Google is not just about... Uh, logging in into tool looking at some metrics and like figuring out how to like rank number one by being i don't know smarter than the other person uh it's actually about being worthy of ranking number one and this doesn't necessarily uh this doesn't happen in a day sometimes you have to uh, spend years becoming worthy of ranking for a certain phrase you kind of touched on this, and this this was another question that um, David, my co-founder, wanted to ask. Is there any way that people use a platform like Ahrefs that is frustrating to you? It sounds like the keyword difficulty one is a little bit, but is there anything that you're like, oh, if only you know you you understood this better or whatever? Yeah, uh, so th- that's probably the the most uh, uh, the most. Uh, glaring example of how people misinterpret what what we show them uh, but then again for example the same uh, is with our search traffic estimations so a lot of people uh, go to hrefs they put the website they own where they know how much traffic they're getting and they just like underestimates it i don't know three times we show three times less traffic than they're getting and they go to Twitter or Facebook and all oh, hrefs data is shit like my website is getting this much traffic and they they're showing that little traffic. So the thing is, if those people would take time to research how Hrefs works, where we get our data and how to use it properly, they wouldn't go and like request that our traffic estimations would be accurate. Because uh, again, to, to quickly give perspective, what is important is to understand uh, how your website stacks against the competition. So if you have uh, two websites, if there are two websites in the same niche, and you put them to HRFs and you see that one website gets twice the traffic of the other one, it doesn't really matter like how much traffic exactly they're getting. If you own one website uh, and the other website, according to HRFs, gets two times more traffic, you can kind of calculate how much traffic the website is getting. So all those little things, of course, drive me crazy when people don't dig properly into the tool, don't understand the data and jump to conclusions and then blame their lack of success uh, on the tool. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see those. F- from my standpoint, it's not necessarily an Ahrefs thing. It's more just like keyword data thing. But I always see um, one, just like the assumption that you're going to get that exact amount of traffic if you rank for that keyword. It's like there's so many assumptions and nuances there. And like if, if you're expecting an exact output from those inputs, that's like just a naive assumption on my part. But um, the other one is when people kind of forego the strategic underpinning of the content strategy and marketing strategy and just say, all right, so this competitor A is like ranking for all these. So we'll just write these 
and, you know, go based on like the highest search volume and just work mm-hmm. our way down with no differentiating factors and, and expect to like outrank this website that's been around for five, 10 years longer. And it's like, no, you, you have to have something unique to say, you know, you can't just write the same thing and like a slightly crappier version, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have five, three to five kind of favorite underrated features of Ahrefs? Uh, we, we actually have uh, a dedicated page where we list uh, eight, I think it's eight unique features of Ahrefs. Some of the things that you can only do in Ahrefs because of uh, like the unique data that we have uh, and the unique functionality that we have. It's, it's located at ahrefs.com slash vs, like versus. So if people would go there, they would see like eight examples of, of use cases that are only available in Ahrefs and they're pretty cool. I love that. It's again, like the product led content. I feel like I always go to the blog and like find new ways to use the tool, which is awesome. If you were starting a website or starting a business from scratch, how would you approach content in 2021? Uh, I would go for authority. So if, if I wanted to build a, a long-term business, a website that, that would work well, like 10 years from now, I would only start it in the industry that I'm genuinely interested in. And where I want to become an expert myself and probably build a personal brand or something like this. Because unless I'm, I, I actually tried starting websites in the industries that I'm not interested in. And I thought that my, my knowledge of SEO and some like, I know, link building tactics or how to create content or how to create content for like cheap and how to like design your website better, how to improve conversion rate optimization and all that. I thought that it would be enough for me to, to create a website uh, and uh, rank it well in Google. No, it didn't happen. I don't even have the motivation to work on the website where, where I, I'm not interested in the topic. And then uh, I, I was recently helping uh, my friend to... So my friend asked me for ideas on how to make some side income. And he's a fitness enthusiast. And so I thought, well, so you know a lot about fitness. You know about nutrition. You, you like you're studying CrossFit, you know, like different exercises, blah, 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 blah. So you, you can be a real good expert. So if you launch a website about uh, fitness, about home gym, about working out at home and what kind of equipment you need, blah, blah, blah. You can be really successful at it because you are already an expert and you, get, you have some results of yourself. So and I, I advised it because I thought that the industry is dominated by people like myself, like SEO professionals who know how to do this stuff but don't necessarily have the actual knowledge uh, of the industry. But when I started researching who's ranking for like fitness related things about home gym and, and et cetera, what I saw is that these are actual fitness enthusiasts. So mm-hmm. people who own home gyms, they actually shoot videos of the equipment they buy. They do actual reviews. They work out uh, with like new machines and something. They try supplements on themselves. So this is not like you, you, you do keyword research in Ahrefs, you find a profitable keyword, you go outsource uh, writing content on that keyword for some agency, they, they give you back the article, you publish it, you rank it, and you profit. No, the actual enthusiast, people that care about it, are creating websites, and they see no way for random SEO professionals to train those people in the long run, yeah, they might do like a trick or two, I don't know, use private blog networks, buy some links, and don't rank those like fitness enthusiasts temporarily, because those people, they have more industry knowledge, but less SEO knowledge. But in the long run, Google will will uh, reward 
the the unique content, the authority. So, so those people, uh, the the actual experts, if they keep building their reputation in the industry, they will eventually uh, blow all the competition away. Yeah, the the fitness thing is really interesting because the way we was describing, like how I go to Ahrefs for SEO content, the way I do that for CXL CRO content. I have a blog in mind that I go to for fitness content now. Through the pandemic, you know, I had this goal: I'm gonna get jacked through the the <laughs> quarantine. So I started like researching and going into like, you know, what, what should my macros be? Like, what should my lifting plan be? And I found this company, uh, Legion Athletics, and it's like clear that they're so authoritative. Like the guy's citing all these studies. He's got you know pictures of himself like doing the workouts and stuff. But it's just so much more trustworthy. So now I usually just type in Legion Athletics and whatever keyword I want to go for. And just read content yes. from there. So, so if I start a website about fitness, you wouldn't listen to me just because I know how to rank. It's you would so, listen it's to so crowded actually, now. Yeah. So it's like, if you're not the expert, if you, and also your point on like the, the fun thing, uh, like if it's not like something you're interested in, you kind of lose motivation. That's something huge that I think about with omniscient. One of our core principles is this should be fun. So it's like, if at any moment we're just like hating our lives and not liking the business, it's like not going to be sustainable. So we, we had like a little side project. It was a, a website about Kava. Uh, are you familiar with Kava? It's like no, a alcohol alternative, I suppose. It's, it's kind of like ah, a root. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, there was a lot of like um, <laughs> keyword landscape and we're like, all right, let's see if we can build a little case study for this. We were just starting the agency. We got maybe 10, 12 blog posts in and they started to rank. It's, it's a very like empty space, but we just didn't have the motivation to continue. So it's like with SEO, with content, I feel like you've just got to have that eye for the long game and realize it's, it's like a, it's the metaphor, it's like gardening, not hunting. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It takes a long time. All right. Well, I think we're basically at time. Um, so this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, and then just before we go, did you want to um, say any last words or, you know, give your website or anywhere people can visit you online? Uh, if people want to engage with me and uh, be up to date with what I'm up to, uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Team Solo. Uh, I'm quite active there and uh, I usually like to communicate with the audience. So it's not that I kind of bestow my knowledge on people all the time. Now, I actually ask a lot of questions and I'm looking for uh, different perspectives. Uh, I like to argue with people uh, in, in a respectful way, of course, uh, because sometimes I can be wrong as well. And I'm very open to people teaching me something and showing me something where I was wrong. So yeah, if, uh, if someone is interested to, to be in contact with me, Twitter is the best place. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot for inviting.